Well, good morning and welcome to another edition of The Plotting Shed. You're listening to Rachel McCartane. I'm sitting here in my conservatory on an early Monday morning. My apologies to those of you who wanted me to post on Friday, who were expecting one on Friday, didn't get round to it, but then the world is rather turned upside down right now. It's all a bit bizarre, isn't it? It's all a bit weird. I hope you are all staying home. I hope you and your family are all staying safe. Uh, We will get past this and thank goodness for gardens. I'm just sitting here at the moment. I've got a tribe of blue tits all hopping around in the olive tree. It made me think about what I was going to sort of podcast about, which is right now, obviously, our gardens are so important. They really are a lifeline for all of us to just get outside and enjoy being outside, even though we can't go outside and and do things. And gardens are, you know, they're an extension of our homes. And we all have want to have really lovely inside homes. And yet so many people are disappointed with the outside space in their garden. It's very staid and very samey and, and doesn't do things. But I thought, why don't we learn to think about what makes a garden great and how can you make your garden great again so that during this two or three months that we're going to be stuck at home, indoors and out in the gardens, we can think about what we can do to make our gardens great. So what does make a garden great? I mean, we all, when we were able to go out, you know, people would go to parks and we'd go to National Trust homes or you see pictures in magazines or look online or there are television programs of garden design and you see the most amazing looking gardens. But are they great? What makes those gardens great? What is it about those spaces that that we see and we think, oh, wouldn't it be lovely if I had a garden like that or I had a place like that? So what is it that actually makes that garden a great one? Is it the design of it? You know, all the amount of money that's been spent on using this marble or these beautiful paving slabs? Or is it the complexity of the planting or the density of the planting? Is it the fact that they're huge, they're big? Is that what makes them great? Well, I don't think so, really. It certainly makes them impressive. But I don't think it makes them necessarily great because... My definition of what a great garden is, is not about what it looks like. It's not about how much you've spent making it. It's not about the size of it. My definition of what makes a garden great is about what it does for you. Now, if you think about it, let's just say you go to one of these parks or we go to these stately homes or you go to these sort of open gardens and they're beautiful and they're amazing and people have spent thousands of hours and thousands of pounds usually creating beautiful spaces for us to to walk into. But you only ever occupy a very small part of that garden at any one point in time. So if it's a, a garden of 10 acres, you're still only ever occupying a very tiny space as you move through it. So if you think about it, It is on the micro scale, not the macro scale, that makes the garden great. The part of the garden that you are in, at the time that you are in it, has to do something for you. 
And it doesn't matter how big the rest of the garden is. If you're walking through that great big garden and getting nothing from it, it's not interesting you, it's not, it's not engaging you, it's not making you feel anything, then that small part of the garden in that great big garden isn't, isn't good. If you're thinking about what can make a garden great and looking at your garden, it's about what your garden does for you and in that small space. So it doesn't matter how big or small your own personal outside space is. It is what the space does for you that makes it great. But if we were going to look to change our gardens, you know, where do we go and look for inspiration generally? What is it that we're looking to try and find? Well, obviously thinking, right, my garden is a bit dull and boring and I want to change it and I want to make it better. People will go to magazines and they'll look online and we'll go and watch television programs and you'll read books. And we're all regaled with the same kinds of images. These massively impressive, expensively, beautifully manicured, designed, historic, garden spaces and how do you translate that to your small back garden or backyard because the environment there is generally very very different it's a it's smaller we have very well defined boundaries we have much smaller budgets to be able to make our gardens better than most of these other gardens have and lastly we're not professionals you're not a professional you don't have designers on tap. You don't have professional horticulturalists and, and gardeners who can maintain and keep the garden. So we have a different problem set to solve. But it's the same principle as the bigger gardens. All we're doing is making the area that you are occupying better. And it doesn't matter whether that area is big or small. So in your garden, if you can make the space of your garden better for you, then you make your garden great. Well, when we go to some of these big open spaces and these big stately home gardens, when we're walking around and we get pleasure and enjoyment, what actually are we feeling? It might be that we're feeling relaxed because you've, you can just let your mind wander as you're walking around these beautiful green spaces. You can enjoy looking at the plants and the surroundings and everything else that's there. But more importantly, and this is the key bit, as you're walking around those gardens, you tend to feel that it's just you and the garden. You can lose yourself in that space, in that little place that you're in, in that big garden space, in that big stately home. That's your little world at that point in time. So how do we translate that into a small urban garden? Because obviously, as I've said, we have rigid boundaries. We're surrounded by geometry. Generally, you've got straight lines. There are buildings, there are windows, people are overlooking. There's a lack of privacy generally, and generally there's more noise. So how can we create that feeling that when you're in the garden, it's just that little space for you at that moment in time? Well, obviously design is a key feature. You need to make your garden feel like it's your little space. And one of the key things to doing that and to achieving that is dealing with the privacy element. If you go outside and you can, there's one part of your garden that you can sit in that from your perspective, you can't be seen. All that you are surrounded with and all that you can see 
are the plants, the grass, maybe your house and the sky. But most importantly, you can't see other people looking at you. You strategically blocked out those overlooking windows. It will give you the sense that it's just you and your garden. Now, in order to achieve that, you've got to start thinking about strategic placement. Where, if I sit, this is my favourite part of the garden to sit in. So where exactly am I overlooked from? And we're not talking about creating four big green castle walls here to, to hem yourself in. This is about strategic placement. What can I put to block that window over there, maybe that window over there, and that bit there where the neighbours can see through the fence? So that when I sit here, in this part of my garden, I feel totally private and I feel that this is just my little moment. So that's the first thing you've got to do. Secondly, keep it simple. In a small garden, you want to have your mind be able to just unwind a little bit. If you have a more simple garden, rather than one with loads of bits and pieces everywhere, visually, it, it will feel very cluttered. So it's far better in a small garden to have one really big look at me border rather than throwing bits all over the place or having borders that run down the side of the fences. Get rid of that. Allow the grass to go right up to the fences in most of the garden and combine all of the plants in one big area. Have a really big, and it's what I call a look at me instead part of the garden. Because if that can capture your attention and you can create something really big and meaty, you can visually lose yourself just watching that part of the garden and looking at the plants. But the key thing, if you're going to have any borders and any plants in the garden, is keeping the interest. You've obviously got a small space and you can only have a few plants in it. So what you have to focus on is change. You have to have something to look forward to in the garden because something will change. You've planted lots of shrubs in the garden because shrubs are low maintenance. Well, yes, they are, but they don't do much, do they? They just sit there like great green blobs. There's nothing to capture your attention. Anything that goes in your garden, you need to think, how is this going to change over the seasons? Will the leaf change colour in the autumn or the fall? Will it flower? How is it going to interest me? What's it going to do? And if it doesn't flower, Grow something through it that will flower. But what you've got to do is think for each plant, how are you going to interest me this year? And if it doesn't do anything, it just sits there. Should you have it in your garden? Because it's taking up a lot of visual space and it doesn't do anything. Change is really, really important. One of the other things that keeps our attention and allows us to mentally lose ourselves in a space is movement. So let me just take you somewhere else. Imagine right now we were sitting in a huge plain just of grass, absolutely nothing but the grass. There's no trees, there's no, no nothing from, from horizon to horizon. What are you going to look at? What will capture your attention? 
And there are two things. The first will be, probably, you start watching the clouds whizzing across the sky. And secondly, you probably watch the wind moving the grass. That's what will hold your attention. You'll watch the movement in, in the space that you're in. So if you go in your garden now, how much moves? What's dancing in the wind? Anything? So that's key. You need plants in the garden that will dance. They have to move because it contrasts with all of the hard structures around you. The fences don't move. Buildings don't move. The only thing that moves in your garden are the plants. If you get lots and lots of movement, I can guarantee you it will spark your interest. But there's one other way that you can add movement to the garden. And that's to add wildlife. Everything moves. Birds fly in. Creatures fly in. Insects fly in. In a small space, if you can make it hum and buzz with life, you will have the interest. You will have the change. You will have that sense of losing yourself in a very small space because you are watching something intently. You're watching the butterfly land on the flowers. You're watching the bees hop from plant to plant to plant. If you have a slightly bigger area, you might be able to get toads in the garden. You might be able to attract hedgehogs. You might be able to attract smaller predators, all of which bring your garden to life. Making your garden great again is all about making sure that your garden does something for you. You have to feel that it is a space where you can escape into. And that means giving yourself one part of the garden that is totally private, that you can't be seen by the outside world. And it's not that the outside world can't see in, it's that when you're in that space, you can't see the outside world. It's about looking forward to things, it's about making change thinking in two months time that plant's going to do this that will be nice I will look forward to it and it's about capturing your attention holding your visual attention holding your sensory attention and all of those things just little things will make your garden better and you haven't had to spend thousands of pounds doing it all you've got to do is concentrate on what the garden will do for me and to make that enjoyable and that will make your garden great again. Anyway, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed that. Please, as always, you can email me with any questions or queries you've got. It's rachel at plantplots.com. I will put the post of this on the Plotting Shed blog. So if you go to the website, plotplots.com forward slash the Plotting Shed, you'll be able to read all about it there. I also incidentally put a small little video collection of pictures of my garden because, uh, so you can see what my garden's like. You'll see Eric the Heron. I've got Montezuma in the garden. There's Ingwe, my pet topiary leopard. Um, and then some of the pictures of some of the favourite plants in my garden, which is on the Plotting Shed blog now. Uh, this week I've got a really exciting week coming up. I've got my final edition of the book being sent to me. So it's now just a question of book cover 
uh, sorting out the index at the back and then I think we are nearly ready to go so which is really exciting and it's going to be called I want to like my garden so it will be on Amazon it'll be on the other online bookshops and everything else I'll I'll give you details of it shortly so as soon as I know where it's going to be and how you can download it and how you can buy it um, I will let you know I would also hugely appreciate if anyone wants to subscribe or you can donate to this podcast via the website. There's a little button on there. You can buy me a coffee. And in the meantime, please stay safe. Please stay home. Thank you for listening. Bye for now.